This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Yeah, you can reach us also on Twitter at Hardesty ESPN at Gordon Damer at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM along with Harvey and Joe. We're here until midnight. Then it's Freddie and Fitzsimmons on 98.7 ESPN. Hello, Mr. Damer. Larry, how are we feeling today? A little disturbed after seeing that Nets jersey. <laughs> Woof! <laughs> wow! That looked like checkerboard squares. Oh, I, my goodness. What's expecting mean, that one? You could give a kindergarten child an art project, and it would look better than that. I don't understand. What happened to a simple jersey, Gordon? What happened to Why are we trying to – what are we doing? It's almost like they intentionally make them ugly, and yet there are fools out there that will still buy them. I mean, I, I, get, to, I get that you want to be unique, but but that's, that's not going to You want to be unique for being ugly? I mean, that's embarrassing. <laughs> it's That's awful. an embarrassing-looking jersey. It's awful. It's awful. Other than that, I'm doing great. That kind of disturbed me all day, I will, I will admit. <laughs> yeah, it was know. ugly. Although, was. Uh, now, now you, um, we're, I'm in Jersey, you're on Long Island. Did you mm-hmm. get any rain today? Uh, yes. You did? Not in the afternoon, at night. Mm, okay. I have, the, I, like I'm right still waiting it for it. Right now it is. Yes. But they could have got both games in. It was a perfect day. <laughs> it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Yeah. But I will admit, Mets could use an extra day. <laughs> yeah, I get Milwaukee. the feeling that maybe that had something to do with it. You know, let's ca- let's catch our breath here, guys. Let's go let's right. Take, let's yeah, take we, a day. We could yeah. use a day. Everybody could use a day. So maybe yeah. today was their day. It's raining sideways. They need to take a knee. <laughs> they need to take a knee today after being swept away in Milwaukee. We'll talk about them in a second. But Gordon, so I'm perusing. Mm-hmm. Online, you know, mm-hmm. pre- preparation for the show, as, sure. we all, as we all do. Everything is preparation. And I see this tease on the internet. Okay. Jets signed the quarterback. Yeah. Oh, I know it's not him. No. <laughs> I know, because that's not Jets signed the quarterback. That's finally in big right. letters. And so I looked at, okay, so obviously we know they needed a backup because – you know who was not going to be one step away from being president of the Jets offense. No, you can't. You knew you that. Can, you knew that. No, you With all the hard that. work, all the stuff they're talking about, all the book, reading books yes, and stuff like still, that. He's still working his way through the books. Still working his way through. And he's got a new book. So the old book doesn't even, whatever he read in the old book, forget about it. He has a new book now that he's got to read and get familiar with. I said, okay, well, finally, they got the Tim Boyle, Gordon Day. Who... Yeah. Who, oh, by the way, was a backup for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. He knows how Aaron likes his coffee. Mm-hmm. He knows how, you know, the 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 level of the, the lights in the quarterback room. You know, you want to uh, control the dimmer so you have mm-hmm. it at the right level. He, mm-hmm. He's, he's going to have everything set up for, for Aaron when he gets here, and he is going to get here, mm-hmm. but just not yet. But most importantly, he knows – He's not Jordan Love. He's not playing. (laughs) That's the most important thing. He knows that. So Aaron Rodgers is all good. So here's another. Once again, as Gordon has mentioned, quote, even the Jets can't mess this up. Even the Jets, Larry. Here's another example of Aaron Rodgers on his way to Florham Park. 
It's just a matter of when. It's not a yes. question of if. So if if it turns out that it's not by the draft, uh, I think then you, you start to wonder really when it is. I would think that it's probably going to be at the draft, but if it's not and, and you get to a time where you want to do something with the offense, I guess Tim Boyle knows the offense. He knows the coaches. He, he can kind of stand in there and, and, and give guys the, the, the read of, of – what the offense is supposed to look like so that when Aaron Rodgers eventually does make his way to Florham Park, everybody can hit the ground running. Yeah. Now, the one thing he can't do is build chemistry. No. Can't do that. But he can at least help the players go through the offense and and it'll get them running. So they'll know the plays. It'll just be a matter of working out how how you run your routes, what's the best way to do, how sharp we're – how Aaron Rodgers throws the ball, so on and so forth. So that will be the difference. But otherwise, at least they have somebody to start. And it it, it puts to rest all the thought process of, oh, my God, what are we going to do if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt? Well, if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, the Jets are screwed. Yes. So anyway. The, yeah, I mean, that's it. It's over. Uh, anyway. You, you are – I mean, there's a very narrow path for the Jets to get the the high level of the range of outcomes. Mm-hmm. And, and the highest level of the range of outcomes is to win a Super Bowl. Yes. Uh, it's amazing to me listening that, you know, you get Rodgers, you get an offensive lineman in the first round, and away you go. The Jets the Jets have this real chance to, to get to a Super Bowl or to win a Super Bowl, but that's the way they've been approaching it the entire time. And mm-hmm. um, it does seem like that's the, the way things are going to play out. It's just a question of when you are finally going to get to the quarterback in here. And one of the criticisms of his time in Green Bay was he was not a guy that built chemistry with his teammates. Mm-hmm. So it makes you wonder – there's nothing for him to do right now, so there's no pressure on the Jets to make a trade, but Mm-mm. you would like it sooner rather than later, and I think the the draft would be that time. Yeah, you would think. So we just continue to sit and wait, and when, they, when he and the Jets and Green Bay get together, they'll get it done, and we'll thankfully won't be talking about it anymore until they go on the football field, hopefully. Yeah, with, uh, the problem is with Rodgers, there's always something. I know, but even he would need us to. Even he would be happy that we're we're taking a break from talking about him. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like he likes people talking about him all the time. He is, yeah. he is a uh, very uh, self-involved, and, and 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 everything is all about him. And so we shall see. We'll get yes. we'll we'll get used to him at some point here. Yes. Well, I will say this, Gordon. As we move to a little baseball tomorrow, uh, the series resumes for both local baseball teams. The Mets will be home for their home opener. Yay. Uh, hopefully, we won't have to go to Milwaukee anytime soon. My gosh. Gordon, 26-6 to six in three games. And you asked me earlier, was anything that I was concerned or mm-hmm. apprehensive or anything Al- about? Alarmed. Sure. Alarmed, yes. Uh, I'm, I'm not any of those yet. Okay. Yet. But home runs given off, given up by starting pitching and relievers, hmm. I am concerned about that. I was a little concerned about the offense, but in the last game against Milwaukee, the offense came around. Lindor hit. uh, Alonzo hit. A couple of home runs. So I felt better. Uh, So I feel okay about the offense because the offense is always ahead of the hitters. Always ahead of the – well, usually the pitchers are ahead of the hitters, right? But in this case, I'm just like, all these home runs leaving the ballpark, especially off of Scherzer – 
is a little concerning, Gordon, because if he and, uh, you know, my, my top two guys are not ready to go, he and Verlander, I, I got issues on this team. I do. Well, I mean, I think the thing with the Mets that you have to, and again, it's super early. We're yes. not going to jump to, you know, stage five that this is the end of the world. But I do think that in the short, small sample size of the first week plus of the regular season, when we thought about and we were having that conversation about it doesn't take the most creative person in the world to come up with ways that the Mets season could go sideways. I hate Timmy Trumpet. And when we talked about, you know, like the top three ways, it was, in no particular order, the age of the rotation, the offense being a bat light, and the loss of Edwin Diaz. Mm -hmm. And in the first week of the regular season, each of those things has popped up in some way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. The offense didn't really click in Milwaukee. It does feel like they're, they're a bat light, even in the game where – where Lindor and Alonzo hit. They get the home run from Alonzo. Then they don't get, I don't think they got another hit the rest of the game. Uh, the pitching before the season even starts, Verlander goes down. Scherzer's not been great. And then the game yesterday, the bullpen finally gave it up with uh, the home run to, to get the, the, to, to walk it off. Um, it has to be a little concerning that all these things are popping up. But again, I do think the offense is going to hit. I do think that if you need to add to the bullpen, the Mets are going to add to the bullpen. You hope it's not going to be an issue right now because you really can't add to it right now. But I think of all the three things that would worry me the most, it would be the age of the starting rotation. Mm -hmm. It is. There's no question. It's got me concerned. <laughs> There's no question about it. And you're coming off a situation where, you know, Scherzer has missed a couple of games the past two seasons. Mm -hmm. He's not gone through straight. And – you know, Verlander, you you know, he's 40. I mean, anything can happen, right? But, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's a long season. So you hope that and, – and Patterson, who – I mean, uh, Peterson, who you thought was, you know, going to be solid, got off to a slow start. Now you got Tyler McGill pitching tomorrow, uh, opening day at, at City Field. So you hope that he can bounce back and get the team rolling again. Yeah, uh, because, you know, you talk about the age and the rotation, and clearly the top two – see, that's the thing you can't replace – Right, like Scherzer and Verlander, you're going to run them out there every fifth day no matter what, um, and there is a concern of injury because of their age. And Scherzer, let's be honest, has not been very good so far. Now, it's only two starts. It's not the end of the world, but for a guy who uh, kind of wore down as the season went along now two years in a row, at his age, you do have to kind of worry about. And the fact that the other age in the road, you know, Carlos Carrasco is not exactly young. Quintana yeah. is not going to be back anytime soon. And Senga, yeah. as good as he was, the one concern of him coming over here was, is he going to be able to avoid injury? Mm -hmm. So that rotation all of a sudden does seem maybe a little vulnerable. Of, of the three things that jump out at you after the first week of the season, to me, that would be the most concerning. And there's another injury involving the Mets. We'll talk about that next. And we'll look back at the Yankees who have done well in their first two series. It's ESPN New York Tonight on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Here's the thing. I was reading an article today in the Post. And the conversation is, oh, by the way, the Mets really were not that sharp in spring training and some of the spring training games. And see, Gordon, for me, it's, it's, I think 
as we all look in all, and I think it's this way now in all sports, right? We don't really take, we don't look at spring training games in baseball with the same tough eye, obviously, as, you know, Shaw Walter or Boone or anybody else. But we're just looking, we don't even pay attention to the scores, Gordon. We're just looking to say, okay, how's this kid doing? Or how's mm-hmm. this rookie doing? How's this prospect doing? Uh, because we know that it's, and especially this year where the focus really wasn't on the, the players, it was on the rules. How are they dealing with the pitch pitch clock and what's going on with no ships and the bigger bases? Will Volgerback really try to lead the league in steals? Uh, <laughs> so much that they made a commercial about it. So, so even, it's even, and obviously with the WBC. So you really took a step back, even eyeing what's really going on with your team now. And so I guess I hadn't really noticed it. My thought process was, listen, it's spring training. They'll figure it out. It's all about don't get injured. That's the major thing. Just make sure you come north healthy as you can, and you'll pick it up at the regular season. So that's what I was looking at. But in reading this article, Gordon, I guess there were some things that I had missed that was going on in spring training where this team was you know, struggling offensively as well. Yeah, a lot of pressure on uh, Lindor. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's be honest, as we've mentioned before, you know, he's been good. He was good last year. He, he's, he's, I'm not telling you he's, he's had a bad run of it here. There's certainly been people who have come to New York and um, dealt with far more struggles than him. But when you got him, it kind of felt like you were getting this superstar. And, and you're certainly paying him as a superstar. And I don't know that I've necessarily been – I've not been blown away by what I've seen – and this is what year three now mm-hmm. of you know first year was he definitely struggled, last year was more in line with what you expect. I kind of think that I I felt like the even though he was really good in Cleveland he was an All Star multiple times he got MVP votes that the best was yet to come, mm-hmm. and I don't know that I, that that certainly has not been the case. Yeah, and the pressure here is going to make it even tougher for him. Mm-hmm. And if the Mets had gotten another bat, it would take some of that pressure off, Gordon. Right now, he and Alonzo are your big thumpers in this lineup. Vogelback, yes, he he adds some things. Tommy Pham, yes, he will add some things. But the focus of this offense, the pressure's on those two guys to produce, Lindor and Alonzo, and they got off to slow starts. Now, obviously, once again, we're talking seven games, so we yeah. are a long, yeah, way long way to go. Long way to go, but... When you understand how this team finished last year, right, and you understand that they have spent, and the stat has been mentioned, that they've spent more time in first place than anybody else over the past two seasons and have not reached their goal of getting to the World Series, it's a lot of pressure on this team. And the more money that's been sunk into this team, the pressure doesn't go down, it goes up. Yeah, and, and it's clear you are going to be adding to this team. I mean, oh, they're you have to have to add to this team. We, we now look, the season's long. Maybe uh, Alvarez comes up and he's unbelievable, and the Mets don't have. But you would think you're going to probably add a, a bat at some point. You're going to have to probably add to the bullpen, if not a closer, at some point. You hope you don't have to add to the rotation with all these injuries too. But you're right. Uh, for as much money as they're spending, it doesn't feel like a finished product. That's for sure. No, there's no way it is. It's not. It can't be. Because you're going to have to tinker along the way. So it will be interesting to see how they perform and they start a a weekend series tomorrow. As far as the Yankees are concerned, Gordon, things have been, you know, pretty other than your injuries, then you've had a bunch. Mm -hmm. Uh, Listen, your ace has been outstanding. 
Uh, Garrett Cole joined the Eddie Pettit in 2013 as the only Yankee pitchers over the past 15 seasons to record a win in each of their first two starts of the season while allowing no more than one earned run in each. And I said it to you yesterday, Gordon, Garrett Cole has, this is what an ace looks like. And I know it's early and we'll see how it goes for the rest of the year, but he looks totally different than he did last year already. Yeah. And again, much like the Mets, it's only two starts, but you're right. He hit the ground running in that first start. He was excellent. And and look, when you're paying Garrett Cole, all the money you're paying Garrett Cole, his seasons will always be judged by what he does in October, but there is real value to a guy, and Met fans should know this better than anybody, there's real value to a guy that goes out there every fifth day and takes the ball and pitches well. Mm-hmm. And and I'll be honest, Garrett Cole, when they got him, much like with uh, Lindor, you know, the best is yet to come, he has not reached the levels that he was at in Houston. But he's been really good. I mean, yeah. I think it's almost like – it's crazy to think that anybody who's making as much money as, as Cole has, is – and his pitching for the Yankees could be kind of underrated in some ways, <laughs> yeah, but he's right. kind of underrated in some ways. So let's hope that this is the sign of this is going to be a big year for him because right now they need him. No Rodon, no Severino. Um, the rotation is, is short to say the least. So he is, he is the horse, and hopefully the Yankees are going to be able to ride him. Yeah, I think so. I mean, like I said, the way he started, there's no question about it. Uh, once again, we were talking about the Mets, obviously. Tyler McGill, as I mentioned, against Edward Cabrera. Mets and Marlins at City Field. And the Yankees will be in Baltimore tomorrow. Clark Smith, who was ready for the bullpen, uh, yeah. had to go to be, to be a starter. What's your thoughts on, on him? He's got, he, he's got the arm talent. There's no question about it. I mean, he's been a spot starter before, and he's going to be in this rotation until you guys get healthier. Yeah, he he got uh, he, he looked he pitched Saturday. That was the game that I was at Mohegan Sun, uh, and I was you know kind of watching it, kind of doing the show. You know, you're trying to mm-hmm. juggle a lot of things, and it looked like early on he was kind of holding things down, and then got victimized by the long ball, and and the whole day based on a couple of pitches looked looked far different. In a perfect world, he's one of those arms in the bullpen, but right now you don't have a perfect world. Until you get Rodon back and Severino back, he's he, uh, he's your next best option outside of, uh, outside of Nestor Cortez. So um, hopefully he can go a little deeper this time around. Hopefully he's a little bit better this time around because you expect Cole to be good. You expect Nestor to be good, but that's just two days out of five. Yeah. <laughs> you need some more help the rest of the week. <laughs> It Unless you're help. going to start putting everybody on three days rest, Gordon, early. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and look, Labor has been really good so far. LeMayhew has looked the part so far. Judge has looked the part so far. Rizzo has done okay. Stanton has had some 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 moments. So that's that's a good part of the lineup. And and to me, Glaber is the real linchpin there. Because all those other guys, you expect them to be really good. And it's the question with the Yankees is, is there anything in the bottom? Once you get past four or five, is there anything left that's going to give you some production? And Glaber, if he, I mean, if he could ever get back to the way he was those first two years, man, what a huge addition that would be for a guy that everybody was talking about maybe getting traded for a pitcher, traded here, traded there. Uh, it, would be, uh, it would be a godsend for the Yankee lineup if he could get anywhere close to being back to that. We'll hear from Glaber Torres in a minute. Plus, I'm going to ask Gordon a question that I'm very curious to hear his answer about Glaber Torres. We'll do that next on 98.7 ESPN. 
This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. So here's my question for you. Yeah. As he continues, if he continues to be this prolific, and you get to the trading deadline, do you keep him, right? Or do mm-hmm. you say, you know what? He he could have a tailspin in the second half of the season. Let's move him. Let's get what we can. Let's move him, get somebody else, and, uh, you know, bring up one of the kids and play second base and then alternating with DJ. Yeah, I mean um... – I don't know what the the future is for Peraza now that he lost the the shortstop job to Volpe. Uh, I don't know if Volpe is going to be able to hold down that position defensively over the long haul of the season. There was a lot of talk before this year that maybe Volpe's best position was second base. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's a lot of variables here, and they are going to have to – I think Glaber is a free agent after this season. I might have to check on that. Uh, he is only – it feels like he's been around forever. He's only mm-hmm. 26. I know. And mm-hmm. and that one year might have been an aberration. But if you could get somewhere between the first year and the second year. First year, hit 271 on base, a 340, a slugging of 480. The second year, 278. Uh, the on base, 337. The slugging jumped to 535. I don't think you're going to see the slugging over 500 anymore. But a second baseman – who is an OPS plus of like 120, 125. Keep him. Yeah, I, I, that would be hard to – I mean, you'd have to be getting a really good player to turn that down. Now, look, again, it's six games. You don't want to jump to conclusions like, hey, Glaber Torres is back. 2019 was the last time we saw that Glaber Torres. Mm-hmm. And as we can all attest, 2019 is a very long time ago now. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's a different world. So. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see, but it's it's certainly, in terms of the range of outcomes, signing Glaber, that's not one that I thought we were going to be talking about coming into the season, and at least through six games, he's making you think about that a little bit. Well, he, he saw a great role model on his on his team last year. Absolutely. <laughs> and this, if, if you got to do it, Gordon, this is the year. <laughs> well, look, I mean, because of Judge's age, and when Glaber came up and at the age of 22 puts together another all-star season where, um, you know, 38 home runs, 90 ribbies, 22 years old, you had heard about him since the trade from the Cubs and, mm-hmm. and he was going to be this thing and he came up and he lived up to it. The expectation at that time, I thought, for me anyway, was, well, that's the guy you sign long-term, right? That's yeah. the guy you sign to the seven, eight-year contract because by the time that time comes around, maybe you, I, I would have thought you would have done that already, but, you know, you sign him at 25 and you have until 30, like all these teams are doing now with their young stars. Mm-hmm. You sign them, you, you take out some of those arbitration years, you take a couple of those free agency years, and then you have them for the, the bulk of their, their – um, career years type of thing but that has not happened so we'll have to kind of wait and see what uh what what transpires this year from glaber but certainly love what i'm seeing so far i mean you're right when he came up there was talk of him being the he was going to be the future of the yankees it wasn't Aaron judge it was him mm-hmm. and, and then you look back and you're saying boy does anybody remember Aaron judge couldn't make contact when he first came up gordon he was striking out it yeah he was striking out it seemed like every time he came up to the plate how he has turned things around has been just unbelievable over these past two seasons. No question. Uh, you know, that first year, he definitely seemed lost. And, you know, you see this big guy 
Um, you know, he, he stands out clearly. You think of other big sluggers, a lot of swing and miss type of stuff. And, and that first year, yeah, it didn't seem like this was the, the future captain of the Yankees by any stretch of the imagination. But then, you're, you know, the, the, the second year, his rookie year, he comes up and 52 home runs and changed that narrative pretty quickly. No question about it. Uh, before we leave baseball, Gordon, let's talk a little bit. Rob Manford was on the Michael K show early in the week, and there's two things I wanted to get his thoughts on and your thoughts as well. And this is about the pitch clock. So the guys asked the commissioner, has the pitch clock worked as you guys intended it to? Yeah, it has worked as we intended, kind of consistent with what we saw during the 8,000 games that we use these rules in the minor leagues. And I think a lot of it, the players approached this with a great attitude. They're great athletes. They made the adjustment. We're down to less than one violation a game. And, you know, a huge part of it going well is hats off to the players. Yeah, there's no doubt. They, a lot of them have made the adjustment. Pitchers have made the adjustment, and they're trying to do some things with it, Gordon. But here's the one that I'm interested in. Now, we know your favorite rule, which is the ghost runner at second base in extra innings. You just you adore that. You, you oh, root for extra inning it's games. the IKF of rule changes, you know? <laughs> you root for it so you can oh, see it. So I, it. Yeah. I was curious when the guys asked the commission, will the pitch clock end in the postseason? We're really not at the point where we're, we're t- talking about change. We made some adjustments, clarifications right before we started the season. I think it's important to continue to listen to the players, get input from the players, see how the rules play out. But I have to tell you, we're pretty comfortable where we are. And playing under different rules in the postseason has never been a preferred route for me. Commissioner Rob Manfred. All right. So here's the thing for me, Gordon. Uh, if I would suggest they have the pitch clock in the postseason because the as late as games are starting, Absolutely. you might be able to have the kids sneak up and actually watch a whole postseason game. Yeah. I mean, why would you get rid of it when it's the biggest time of the year? And this is this is your your marquee and the games have energy and they have pace and why why would you get rid of it then? Just because you don't want the, p- the possibility of something embarrassing? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So, no, no. They should keep that. Getting rid of the ghost runner at second base? Yes. <laughs> Get rid of that. Oh, um, God. N- not the pitch clock. The pitch clock, that's great. Because, once again, you're trying to bring in a new audience, a new crew, a new generation of watching meaningful games with games on the line, Gordon. With a pitch clock and you're averaging games now, what, 230, 235? You could get up. I mean, you could get a game out. If you started a 7 o'clock game, Gordon, you could be off by 930. And what the pitch clock has done is it's put baseball in the sports conversation in a way that it never gets. You know, anything. somebody burps in, in football in the NFL. And, oh, my God. Did you see? Oh, my God. Everybody, you know, and the NBA has those things, too, that pop up all the time that kind of – um, you know, focus the conversation in a way that it's not about the games per se. Baseball never gets that outside mm-hmm. of a controversy or judge or or or, or, or Tani to a certain degree, but they never really get it. The pitch clock, I, I think, probably has has at least allowed the possibility for non-baseball fans to check out what people are talking about in a way mm. that hasn't happened in a very long time. And you can talk about the next day at work. How about exactly. that? Because you would have actually seen the whole game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> would be nice. 
When we return, Gordon, I am convinced. After listening to the Michael K. Show, they heard our show last night. When we were talking Knicks, I'm really convinced. We'll explain next on 98.7 ESPN. Saying hi, this is Rob Manfred. Do you like baseball? Do you like the speed of the game? Do you like the way the game's being played? This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. That song brings me back to my reporting days, Gordon. Four and three and two and one. <laughs> it's a Counting while down. Ago. Yeah. <laughs> Counting down. So, Gordon, last night we had a spirited discussion with the fans about the Knicks mm-hmm. and the Knicks roster, the way it's it's you know made up right now, and what's the future for this team. And so, in perusing the K show today, mm-hmm. as you and I both do, with a lot of other people, obviously with the popularity of the show, they had a conversation about Donovan Mitchell and the team and the way it is now. And what was fascinating is this 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 for opening round matchup has put a lot of pressure on both the Knicks and and the Cavaliers right it's put and it's put a lot of pressure on Donovan Mitchell because with him almost with one foot here at the garden and listen he tried to be a Nick he did all he could he was around he was around he 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 went to every sporting event every visibility he possibly could during the summer when he was here to make sure he wanted people to know like I really kind of want to be here and for whatever reason, whether it was too many draft picks or being too rich or whatever it was as far as the trade, you know, compensation for his talents, Leon Rose and company said, you know what, nah, we don't want to really, we're not really comfortable going that way. And so the Knicks took a large hit from a lot of folks in the media and their fans about not, com- not bringing in Donovan Mitchell. Now, I will say this, Gordon, the calls we got, I think they were almost split that a lot of people did not want Donovan Mitchell because, A, they didn't think he was a super, superstar. And, B, they were concerned about a backcourt which already was small with Jalen Brunson, and now you've got two smaller guys in your backcourt. So here's what the K-Show was chatting about today with uh, the situation with the Knicks and Donovan Mitchell. Well, if you like the team the way it is now, right, and I think you do, just remember that the people that put together the team desperately wanted to acquire Donovan Mitchell. So uh, you're wrong. Donovan Mitchell would have been a great fit. He would have been teamed up with Brunson. Randall still would have been on the team. So that was that was a tough call by them. And I told you the particulars of what I've heard. One of the Knicks front office had a has a, thought he had a great relationship with the Cavaliers, and called up the Cavaliers when Danny Ainge said, "I've got a better deal from Cleveland." and asked the person on the Cavaliers that he was supposedly tight with, are you guys going after Donovan Mitchell? And the guy told the person in the front office, absolutely not, that's not true. Because he didn't want to tip his hand, even though it was a friend. So then the guy in the front office went back to the head guys in the front office and said, Cleveland's not in, uh, he's bluffing. Ainge is bluffing. So the Knicks got played. He, The guy with the Cavaliers was bluffing. Ainge was telling the truth. Now, I don't know if Danny Ainge would have traded Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks, but he wanted XXXX, and they didn't give it to him. If they had given it to him and then he doesn't trade, then you can say, well, he had no intention of trading him. The fact that he was a Celtic should make not one bit of difference because the fact he's now the head of Utah has nothing to do with the Knicks. If he if he met the Knicks in the, in the postseason, it would be in the finals. So that shouldn't even be a concern. Danny Ainge is looking for the best deal. So, Gordon, uh, I've heard this to – Make it clear, I've heard the same thing that Michael's heard and what Michael's talking about. And 
I think, look, looking back, yes, it would have been nice to have had both of them. But, Gordon, to be honest, I kind of like this team the way it is. Well, you're right. When it was the time of the trade, the reaction was much more 50-50 than it is now. When Donovan Mitchell got to Cleveland and is lighting it up every single night, (laughs) it was much more, how did the Knicks not make this trade? But at the time, it was much more 50-50, the fan base, the calls, everything. So, yeah, there's a little bit of a revisionist and a history there. And if it turns out the Cavs and Mitchell go off in this series against the Knicks, it's going to be – everyone's going to be, I knew they should have got – right. So, and if the Knicks somehow win the series, we didn't need him to begin – everybody will be on the same board. I will say this about that clip. If that is true, whoever that person is in the Knicks front office should be fired immediately. You went to the Cavaliers and said, hey, are you in on Mitchell? No, we're – no. That person was lying. They were lying to you. Yep. Oh, my God. Could How would you ever show your face at work again? You wouldn't because you wouldn't oh, have a job there. No. That person, I don't know who that person is. They might be great. They might be the best. I don't know what else they've done. But how can you? Hey, are you guys going to get Donovan Mitchell? Uh, no, we're not in on that at all. They're not in on it at all. We don't have to. He's bluffing. Oh, what a disaster. It was a disaster. And you know what it does, Gordon? It gives fans a peek into a reporter's life. Because that's that's like a reporter talking to a source <laughs> that you have, that you're covering a story about. Mm-hmm. And you're talk, going to your source to see because you're trying to break the story. You've heard some things. That's why, Gordon, a very good reporter, as you know, for your classes, has more than one source. <laughs> yes. Oh you don't have one God. source. That guy That's had bad. to have been filling out his resume and brushing it up. Right? Yeah. Oh, could you imagine? No, no. Cleveland says they're not in. And then, you know, I don't know what, a couple of days later, Cleveland gets Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Oh, what a disaster. And the other thing, too, Gordon, and when you look at this and you and listen, Donovan Mitchell's had a fabulous season with Cleveland. He's been fabulous. But, Gordon, we look at all these 40s. With Brunson and Randall, is he getting forty a night here? No, probably not. But he, he you know, he's that guy that mm-hmm. can certainly take over a game no in the playoffs and light things up. And no question, he can. And he is he even as great as as Brunson has been. Mm-hmm. I think Donovan Mitchell is still the better player overall. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is that as well. Uh, and, and I'm not going to tell you that I was all about getting Donovan Mitchell at the time. Mm-mm. Push comes to shove. I probably would have done it, but I could understand the reasons why they didn't do it. You still have the assets that you didn't trade away, but uh, there's no question about it. I mean, as soon as that trade went the way it did, we should have known that it was going to be Knicks-Cavs opening round Absolutely. of the playoffs. Absolutely. There's no question about it. And, and that's the way, and and, that, and that's what we've got, and we're all looking forward to it. Uh, the other thing too that's real interesting, is, as far as this deal is concerned, is you know with with what he brings to the table. Remember, we all had the thought process of if he would he couldn't get his team in Utah to the next level, what's he going to do with the pressures of New York? There was just so many different things to go by. But here's the bottom line. Gordon, the Knicks wanted him, and there's no denying that. No denying. They wanted him. They put in the offer for him, and had that guy not called Cleveland, he might be here. 
-hmm. He might be here, and they would be, I don't know, no draft choices, no quickly, no Grimes, no bunch of other folks. And your bench may look a little different, but, you know, that's past tense now. You're not getting them now. So nope. the, so the thing is, okay, first of all, that person's probably not in the Nick front office, A. And B, Gordon, the Knicks are going to be more aggressive with the next player. No Th question. That next player will be whoever they want, they will bring that player in. They will bring him in. I have no question. I have no doubt about that. They have to. Because these guys, the, the, that's the one guy that you can say in the three years that they've been here became available. They had the pieces to get him, didn't land him. We don't know. Mm -hmm. We all kind of imagine, oh, there'll be a superstar that's available this offseason. Maybe not. Who, yeah. who knows? That's right. Who knows when you get an opportunity? Right. Like it's not a bus. It's not. It's, it's not a schedule that you, you know. Oh, if I miss this one, there'll be another one coming down the road here in another couple of minutes. No, that's the case. What you got cooking on Saturday, my friend? And what time are you on? I'm on at noon on Saturday, wow. filling in, the, you know, moving up a little bit. So, um, oh. you know, still kind of lining some things up for them. But obviously, okay. Nick's Cavs series is going to be big. The baseball mm -hmm. is going to be big. So mm -hmm. we'll have what I learned on TikTok while we can right. before that gets banned. So we got All a lot right. of stuff. What about you? Uh, off Sunday. Oh, that's rare. You're just burning through these off days left yeah, and right. I know. Yeah, I'll be working forever. I'll be working Thanksgiving and Christmas. You're like DPH <laughs> and Rothenberg come the summertime. Now, wait a minute. Relax. I'm not that bad. I haven't had that many <laughs> days off. <laughs> Gordon, have a great weekend. A good show on Saturday. I'll see you on Monday, my friend. All right. Sounds good, Mike. That wraps up this edition of ESPN New York Tonight. Thank you for joining us. Harvey Joe, thank you very much. Freddie and Fitz now on 98.7 ESPN.